did I get the instructions wrong? Am I am I in the wrong place? How am I the newcomer here and I'm participating better than you are? <laughs> Listen, it's not. I don't. I don't know how it's come about that. You're blaming me for your mic setups not capturing your claps to, through Discord. Like, oh, yeah, I, I was going to say, that's I, Discord, that's not my mic. I cannot help that I have a superior audio system with the crisp noise removal added. Like, <laughs> I have to say, like your, your audio sounds fantastic. I'm living in jealousy over here. I have spent so long driving myself mad with my own voice. Uh, Haven't we all? Aren't we all content creators? That's what we do, right? But I've been recording stuff for YouTube half hour long to an hour uh, long, hour long playthroughs where I have to sit and listen to my voice for an hour. <laughs> um, I also learned something very, very important um, by a random idea and something I quickly Googled. I was driving myself mad with my audio going, what's going on? What's going on? Lying in bed one, one night and I'm like, I wonder what the actual, you know, the, the setup, the intended setup for this mic is. And I Googled, your mouth is supposed to be five centimeters away from the microphone. I had it like a foot away. And oh. so I had, you know, I had to gain up to try and catch my voice better. And it was catching all of the other noises around. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to redo my entire desk to do that. But um, yeah, I went and did all that. And now I've got this and... I'm still convinced it's not great, but <laughs> just, just no, I think it sounds fantastic. I think it sounds great. Nice work. I think the real issue here is the ease by which you swap between centimeters and feet. That is really upsetting, <laughs> and I want you to really spend some time reflecting <laughs> on that because that is upsetting. I am a man of the world, and I can easily swap between inches and centimeters and feet, and I still don't know how That's long a mile is. Uh, no one knows how long a mile is. All I know is that isn't a quarter like mile. A pure, it's isn't because... it a purely hypothetical? Like, like it's a, it's like a conceptual thing. It's like trying to articulate how long infinity is. Nobody actually knows. Like, it's. it's I know. It, it's I think it's about. a five hundredth of how far a pretender would walk. <laughs> right, I see. Okay. Oh, sense. well done. That's good. Oh, I'm awake now. But yes, uh, now you are awake. Welcome on into the uh, Halcyon Frequency Podcast, episode number, I think 43. I think it was 42 that came oh out. God. Yeah, they, we've we've have been having a lot of these. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, That's so impressive. I didn't make it to 43 of anything. I've not even made it to 43 years, and you know, quite frankly, the ball's out, and whether I will. Um, <laughs> But I'm joined here by Bloody Drongo. How are you? I'm very well. I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit tired. Uh, it is fairly early here, and it was a slightly disjointed night sleep last night. But uh, doing well. I'm glad to hear that. And I am. We are, of course, graciously um, oh. graced, graciously graced. There you go. I'm good with words. Um, by Renee Sky. Hello. Hello, how you doing? I'm doing well. Welcome <laughs> on in. I, I'd ask how you, you are, but I, I think I think <laughs> I think there was a pained hello there that was a little bit groany. <laughs> hello. Yeah, I I no, I, I cooked myself a really gorgeous steak last night. I'm a shit house cook, but 
I, I did a really good job on this steak and I was like, you know what? This bad boy needs a side. Um, and I didn't go for veggies or salad. I went for a glass of port. Oh, okay. Uh, and then that was followed by dessert, which was also a glass of port. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, apparently that just kind of linked in. I, I know that at some point I've crawled into bed um, and I sometimes when I lay in my bed, I like to have my galaxy lamp on because it's super relaxing. Yep. Um, I went to sleep and then woke up staring at the galaxy lamp, still a bit how are you going? And I had this real existential crisis of where am I? Because the galaxy lamp just made everything a bit. I th um, well, you tweeted about yes. this. Yes. Did I? I saw this last night before I went to bed and I was just like, that'll be interesting tomorrow because I know we're going to be recording a podcast in the morning. I First always, thing. I keep my appointments. Oh, I did too. Do not put the galaxy lamp on while yeah. very wasted. Had a short nap. Woke up thinking I was on another planet. Well, I'm amazed not that a word of a lie. That. Wow, I, not so a word of a lie. I like indicative. I like that that Drongo's thing is like, oh, oh, she's she's got a she's got an important podcast. Meanwhile, I'm like, wow, she's got a galaxy lamp. Um, <laughs> Look, Instagram got me, okay? They finally wore me down with their targeted advertising. I, I, and I was like, I do want one of these lamps. That's the problem because I've seen those and I instantly see an adver advertisement for something on Twitter or Instagram and I assume it's a bad product. Yeah, I can, I can see how you'd get there. And honestly, I wasn't... Ex it looks good in your picture. No, they're brilliant. I, I think this one's really great. Um... I would probably. I didn't realize that I accidentally got one with like green dots. Like the star, the stars are, are green. I prefer the blue ones. But aside from that, that's my only gripe with it. Um, aside from that, it's just a funky little thing, and it's kind of really nice just to have it like playing on the ceiling. And, or I've had friends over, and I bring it down to the living room, and we would just sit around and have like a DNM with the galaxy lamp going. It's wild. The the green the green stars sounds very immersion ruining though. Ah. Uh, Little bit, little bit. <laughs> well, it's like a little green laser instead of a blue one. Um, you can get blue stars for them. But yeah, anyway, um, Instagram ads are interesting because I feel like every second or third post on Instagram is an advert at the moment. Oh, I don't yeah. know what they're doing with their advertising settings, but it's a lot. They're selling a lot of advertising space. That's what they're doing. I've stopped using Instagram because there was just way too many ads. I'm just like, I don't, I don't need to fill my brain with this. That's fair. It, it used to, um, when it wasn't as targeted, it used to show me like wedding dresses and like, um, like really fancy holiday retreats and like baby stuff. And now it's like, nah, active wear wine and birds. So it's got me figured out now. It took a little while, but we got there. See, Instagram keeps getting confused with me. Um, a lot of what it does is a lot of crafty stuff, Kickstarter stuff, 3D printing stuff, which is all great. Mm. But then occasionally it decides that I need maternity wear or that, you what? know, yeah, um, or I need <laughs> new leggings. And I, I just, I, I want to know what the algorithm thinks of me sometimes. Treat yourself. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> Treat de yourself. I deserve this. <laughs> what we should all do. If, if it was a possibility, we should all open our phones and buy the first thing that we see on Instagram advertised to us just to see what it okay, was. Okay, this is... <laughs> I'm not going to buy it, but I'll, I'll find it. Let me... Yeah, let me open up Instagram here. This, see what we've This got. could be great, or I could wind up with something that... Um, oh, wow, an advertisement for Singles Day. Okay. 
I've oh. got a custom gaming PC. Okay, yep. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Mine is for activewear, so that yeah, that's pretty on point. Okay, I've got a mobile game. Do I have to buy the mobile game? You, I mean, you, you lucked oh. out with the cheap one. No, no. These leggings are like a hundred bucks. Here we go. Upgrade your toilet paper. Oh, oh. Upgrade your toilet paper. Have I I don't typically think of toilet paper as like an oh, upgradable uh, consumer. Then you've never yeah. used bad toilet paper. Bidet foam wash turns <laughs> ordinary toilet paper into a cleansing what? hygienic wipe. Um, basically, uh, it's a foam you spray on your toilet paper. A foam? A foam. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Um... Of the various reviews, it works really well. Uh, and then I like this one. I am not showing a video of me using it. <laughs> <laughs> keeps my fair play. Keeps Wise. my 70-ish bottom clean when it, wherever I am. 70-ish is his age, his height. D what? Well, look, carbon dating has only been able to give an approximation, so. <laughs> This guy's ass. Yeah. Does a good job of the cleanup. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I'm not sold on it, but like, if I was going to buy something, that 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 that'd be on the list. Look, that's funny. You got something funny. Instagram knows how to deliver you content. I'm just looking at leggings here, and you know what? I'm probably going to buy them because I love active. Wear. Are they the leggings with the blue and gold runes? Oh, uh, no, I did get those last night, though. They've yeah. been going around. Yeah, they've been making the rounds. Oh. They're, they're very uh, very Norse-inspired leggings. Um, I guess I'm off of the the legging meta. Yeah, Mate, that's a shame. You've just got to keep up with the times. This is why you don't go off Instagram. If you go off Instagram, you, you fall behind. I'm irrelevant. Exactly. Yeah, I'm irrelevant. <laughs> Speaking of uh, irrelevant... Um, do we... <laughs> this ought to be good. We launched a new podcast. Yes, yes. I was actually just about to jump into that. I didn't want to use the Dang. irrelevant segue, but... Um, oh, don't worry. I'll take that bullet you, for you. You say launched a new podcast, but you've done season mm. one of this before, and this is basically a, yeah. a rework of it with season two, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so... Yeah. Yeah. Season one was like, uh, I sat down with content creators from basically like across the board because I am an author and a streamer. So it's kind of like these two worlds crossing over. But I found that, and Drongo and I talked a little bit about this, that in streaming, there is like a massive crossover with people who are huge readers as well. So we did find this little content niche with season one where I could bring in streamers to talk about their streaming journey but then i could have new york times bestsellers come in and also talk about their journey and it weirdly lined up and appealed to the same people um but honestly i just wanted to change the format a little bit and kind of make it a more regular thing and talking about books and writing and story craft and stuff and i was like now who do i know that puts up with me and has a nice voice Ah, I'll see what Drone goes up to. Yeah, yeah. And that's how that came about. It's a very low threshold to uh, And yet difficult to find. There, who can tolerate Ren yeah. and who has a mic? There was there was there was more requirements, but she just had to whittle them down as the the numbers got smaller. Um. Yeah, no, no, no. See, like the the circles of the Venn diagram may have been large, but the splintered overlap was very small. <laughs> Um, I actually, you know, to quote Drongo himself, 
I've reached my middle-aged bearded white man era of wanting to start a podcast of my own. And we were chatting <laughs> and it just seemed to make sense. Um, but yes, I actually have given it a listen and it is absolutely fantastic. It's Tea and Tales on Spotify and we'll include a link down below um, when we, when, when I when I, I say when we, when I edit and, and get this ready for posting so uh, others can give it a listen. But I listened to the first half of the episode last night because I actually, it was quite late and I ended up being like, oh, I'll pause this and I'll listen to the rest of it before uh, stream tomorrow. And I never got around to it today because it's been absolutely hectic. We had a mini thunderstorm that came out of nowhere. But Ooh, cool. I absolutely love... Um, you know, you were talking about a lot of the books, both of you, um, the things that had shaped you and, oh my gosh, I had so many things that I wanted to say. Like, you know, uh, you were talking about Emily Rodder's, um, Del Toro quest. Mm -hmm. you, I don't know if you talk about it later on, but Emily Rodder did one of my favorite books of all time. Pigs might fly. It sounds super familiar. I think someone mentioned it in stream the other day. This girl gets sick I've not read and it. she get, like, she's sick at home. She falls asleep and she wakes up in a strange land where pigs fly. But not, not... Did she die? No, 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 no. It's not like pigs fly as <laughs> in they've got wings and stuff. It's just there's random weather patterns that sometimes cause the pigs to start floating up. And honestly, this feels like how I woke up last night looking at my galaxy. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> such a unique book because I've never read anything like it. And it was the first experience I had with Emily Rodder. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I love this author. And I got into Del Toro Quest and all of that through that. But Pigs Might Fly was just the first really absurd world that I sort of read about that I can recall reading, you know. And, um, I love that. Yeah, it's absolutely great. I, I love Emily Rodder. She's got some absolutely amazing books out there. And um, Do you think she knows that she shaped like an entire generation with her books? I, Do you think she knows I'm that? I'm sure she's I hope so, because like, yeah, yeah there's, there is so much there um, that, is, that is possible. I mean, she's what? Probably 1948 she was born, so she is 70... Yeah, 74 or something. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's well aware um, through all of that. And I, and, I, and I hope so. I mean, this generation turned out so well. <laughs> I feel like she's got a lot to answer for, to be honest. Well, you know, I've just Googled her and my brain has just had a breakdown because I've realized that Emily Rodder is a pen name. It's a pseudonym. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know this. Oh, that's embarrassing. Her, her name was, oh, what was it? Uh, Jennifer June Rowe. Yes. Yeah, I knew the Jennifer bit. But I, kn I knew Emily Rodder was a pen name. Um, I, think I, I think I knew that from Pigs Might Fly. Um, hmm. But yeah, no. Like, like you were talking about books that shaped your, your stuff as well. And Paul Jennings and Round the Twist when we got into <laughs> that discussion. <laughs> I love Round the Twist. And there were so many, it. there were so many little bits that I actually knew, and uh, you were talking about it. And do you know? Do you remember the episode where Bronson eats as much spaghetti as he can, and then he basically vomits <laughs> it over everyone? 
I don't. I there's, think I've repressed okay. it. There's an eating competition where he gets the ability to eat as much as he wants. And he eats all this spaghetti and he loses the ability and vomits it. <clears throat> Paul Jennings wanted to actually drop a dump truck of spaghetti on the people. <laughs> <laughs> like he actually wanted like a little dump truck filled with spaghetti and just go splat. And they had to talk him out of it to using like, you know, a couple of hundred cans of spaghetti. But um, yeah, no, Round the Twist was something that I grew up with as well uh, on ABC uh, in the yeah. afternoons. But there were so many little facts because I don't know. I think I, I think mum was friends with someone who worked on it because I have all what? these random little facts and little things that I know about it or knew about it. And I'm pretty sure it was because, yeah, there was a connection through the family because my mum was actually very cool. well connected through television through her mother. Oh my! Um, oh, yeah, cool. Do uh, well. We've had um, we've we've had um, people in um, the community start watching Round the Twist to fact check us. Oh right, no, um, I'm so sorry. Yeah, like one of my poor community members, is... she wrote in this morning saying that she'd fact checked the fish episode that we discussed, and she was just like, "Yep." It's weird. Yeah. Like, we didn't lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, there was no... I mean, if anything, we were underselling how weird that episode We definitely is. cut out a lot of stuff. Um, well, there's also the one yeah. about the mermaid and Bronson and peeing over the, over the wall, too. That... Oh, my God. Stop. You're unlocking core memories. I've done a lot of work in therapy to bury these. Yeah, okay. no, no. Around the twist, I literally found that on Netflix and binge watched it again because I just—it's on Netflix. It is. Oh my god! It was. Is it? What? Yeah. Huh. Um, I did not know that. I—I'll I'll need to double check right now because it was the first. Okay, it was the first thing I ever added to my list. Right. I—I I look <laughs> at my Netflix actually. list, and it was the first thing I added was Round the Twist, but it may be gone now. I feel and like the world I'm is better for kind of it. judging you for that, to be honest. Oh, no, yeah, no, same. it is on Netflix. Four seasons on Netflix. I, it's wow. got four seasons? It explains a lot about me more than... It explains a lot about our generation, again. Yeah, yeah. But oh, I, I really love the absurdity of it. And one of my favorite things about it wasn't even the absurdity, but just how well the entire family just rolled with it. You know, mm -hmm. they were like, oh, there's ghosts in the outhouse. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. I think that was the one that scared me most because, like, I'm I'm from the country and back in, like, the, the 90s, early 2000s, it wasn't uncommon for outdoor toilets to still kind of be a thing at some properties. Yeah, yeah. So that episode was just like, cool, I'm just not going to pee after, like, 7 p.m. at night. <laughs> if I cannot be walked by an adult to the lavatory, I will not go to it. <laughs> or the the dunny as we call oh, it yeah. out this way the old dunny like uh, it, the, the, i don't think there's i don't think many people actually will understand the sheer terror of being a relatively young kid <laughs> and going out in the middle of the night yeah. to the dunny uh dodging snakes and spiders and <laughs> you know whatever else uh supernatural beings lurk in the milky darkness and it being the middle of winter and you're also freezing your ass off yeah and you're in like a dressing gown and slippers like it's just like a very niche 
quintessential Australian experience that I don't think many people would relate I to. Was... Yeah, I actually agree with that. Because, like, you'd go, like, I have people all the time coming to stream and be like, I can't believe you live in Australia. Everything's trying to kill you there. And I'm like, mate, I can dodge red belly black snakes. I can dodge, like, red back spiders. But when you go to the toilet in the middle of the night and there might be a ghost, I understand what you're on about. Well, the problem is, is we are doing nothing to help stop perpetuating that rumor as we're going we've all had to check the toilet for spiders right oh surely mm. that's a common thing everywhere though no spiders are everywhere no if this what? is not a common thing this is what th this is where the people from the us and, and and europe go oh yeah everything's trying to kill you in australia and it's like it's not really there's lots of like there's lots of space out there by the way check the toilet for spiders you know um but see, my problem with that, right, is that like a little while ago, I went for this huge bushwalk. It was beautiful. And I, I got to be like out in nature and I kind of just wandering around very just out there by myself and experiencing the landscape. Right. The biggest thing I saw on that walk was an echidna. And there's always these videos posted of being like, oh, I was out on a bike ride this morning in Colorado and there was a mountain lion watching me. Now I can squash a spider. I can't squash a mountain lion. That so I think we win, quite frankly. Well, I mean, the, the problem is, is that, like, I think with uh, things like bears and mountain lions and stuff like that, large carnivores, you typically will have some idea that they're coming. No, not, no. Not always, like, a lot of notice, but more notice than stepping on a snake in long grass and it whipping around and biting you on the leg, which has happened to me. You've actually but, had that? Yeah. What? Tell the story. Uh, so I was, I was, uh, out, uh, fishing at, uh, a little town called Oberon, which has a, a dam out there. I, I know Oberon. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's not the nicest part of the world, but it has some okay parts. Uh, and, uh, I was walking through some waist high grass, uh, near the dam and, uh, yeah, stood on a snake. Oh. Uh, luckily, it was only a, a little a little python, but, uh, you know, it's moments like that where you're like, okay, cool, uh, either I'm dead or things will be okay. And, <laughs> you know, you really feel alive. You feel grateful. I, I, always, like, I always like the Aboriginal or the Indigenous Australian um, way, I suppose it's the best way to say it, their way of dealing with spider and snake bites. They would pack the wound with cobwebs and they'd go to sleep. Uh, what? Yeah. So the idea was basically it slows their heart rate down. It gives them time, their body time to fight it. So they either wake up and their bodies, you know, the heart rate's slow and the body's dealt with it or they're dead, you know? And it's, I, I, I tend to have that, um, that reaction to a lot of, lot of a response to a lot of things now is, you know, just go have a nap. It'll either blow <laughs> over or you'll be dead. And, you know, to be clear as well, this is not uh, something that we're recommending people do. Is like If you do find yourself in a situation where you are bitten by a, uh, a snake, please do not put uh, spider webs in yeah. it and have a nap. Do, Wrap do, yourself in cobwebs and have yeah. a snooze. Do not use this podcast as any medical advice, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, that's an absolutely insane tale. Um, I've, my mother's been bitten by a funnel web spider. Ooh. Um, yeah, yeah, that one was that one was rough. And there's actually a really funny story about that that is 
you're all going to laugh probably, but anyone outside Australia is going to be like, what the hell? So the funnel web bit mum, mum freaked and dad caught the spider for identification. Mm -hmm. And so they went and they got it and dad could keep the spider in the jar. And so mm -hmm. the next day at work, dad was like, oh yeah, the missus got bit by a funnel web. And he's like, I've actually got the funnel web. And they're like, oh yeah. And he's like, big bugger and showed them all. And it's all curled up in the, in the jar. And they're yep. all like peering in. These are tradies, right? These, this is oh, on a building site. Suddenly the funnel webs just basically sprung back up. Like, because they thought it was dead, but it wasn't. It sprung back up. Dad's dropped the jar. All oh. of the tradies have basically screamed and run out of the room. <laughs> oh, no. I just, I had a thought, like, as you're telling that story, it was like, yep, got bit by a spider, caught it for identification. And it just, it strikes me that we, we catch spiders for identification just, like, out of habit. And it's, yeah. it's very much the same as, as catching a murderer. It's like, yep, this is the person that's done it. Uh, yeah. Here you are. Brought them in for you. Like, it's, um, yeah. I was stabbed. I apprehended the person who stabbed me so you can identify the Here wound. he is in a jar. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the dude's just curled up in the corner of a jar being like, he's having a sleep. We've packed him with cobwebs. Yeah, no, don't worry. I, don't worry. I squashed him a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, like... When, when you kind of zoom out a little bit and look at our relationship with stuff that lives in our houses with us, like I kind of understand why people who aren't, who didn't grow up with it would be um, kind of hesitant to make that their norm. I don't know. Well, I've told, I think, but I think as well, like, I, I don't think that, like, I, I know for all of us, we all have... Uh, come from a pretty rural background which is also the minority of experiences of people that live in australia yeah that is true like the amount of people that live out in areas where you need to be routinely at least aware of the possibility of snakes and you know checking your shoes before you put them <laughs> on for spiders or whatever um that that's not the reality for most people that live in say sydney or melbourne which is where the majority of people live in australia right mm. so. yeah i live i lived out bush like like literally um our backyard was a national park so it was that's so cool though that is not an accurate statement, Arch. You cannot say literally our backyard was a national park. Either it was privately owned or government owned. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> what are you? Are you the council? Are you one of them council yeah, people yeah. come around saying, Yep. Oh. We, um, we lived on a, a fairly big property. Uh, I think we had eight acres when we first bought the place. Um, so every it was, it'd be about this time every year it would be uh, cleanup, getting ready for bushfire season. And so I was a teenager. I think I was about 15. And dad's kind of rounded up us kids and he's been like, we're going to go and you know, pull the dead branches out of the trees and gather them all together. And we were really excited because that always went one big burn off um, so that we usually got the fam mm. around, that kind of thing. Um, so I'd grown out of my gumboots. I had to borrow another pair of gumboots, but they were a little bit too small. I promise that has relevance to this story. And as I'm out there working with one of my younger brothers, um, pulling down this, this huge branch. As I've pulled the branch down, I felt, I've, I felt something go down the side of the boot and I, oh, you know, no. you're pulling trees down. So you think it's, you think it's like leaf litter or tree debris or something. And then 
I've like pulled the branch down, chucked it away, looked in my boot because I can kind of feel it tucked in against my, my bare ankle. And I've looked down and there's eight eyes staring back up at me of this terrified little huntsman that's just been knocked off his branch and down my boot. Oh, no. Bless. Um, so I Poor little fella. scream and I'm trying to pull the boot off, but the boot is too small and will not come off. Um, the spider freaks out, like understandably, right? Like looking back on this, I'm like, buddy, I like, I feel you. Yeah. Um, and it, it starts biting the shit out of my ankle. I didn't actually know that huntsman's bit. Um, turns out they do yeah. when they're really scared. Um, yep. so I'm screaming, trying to pull the boot off. The huntsman's biting me over and over and over again, which was, it was more meant, it didn't really hurt, but it was mentally like there's a spider gnawing on my ankle right now. Um, I eventually got the boot off with such force that it like arced over my head and landed on the ground, and my youngest brother, Ryan, has just taken this running jump, and with both feet just gone, boosh, on top of the offending boot. That spider was jam. But, oh, that, I, it, look, it makes me bro. sad now, but my ankle was messed up. I, it was really weird. And that kind of left me with a, a new respect for spiders and uh, boots that are too small. Check in your shoes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yep. I will always be vigilant. Mm-hmm. So now that we've uh, probably managed to, yeah, it's so weird how people from other countries are like, oh, everything's trying to kill you, and then proceeded <laughs> wait, to then start. Wait, here's my personal experiences that and spider bite story. Yeah, yeah back yeah. that up entirely. But like, I, I will point out that it's also, you know, we probably all have one or two stories at most, and we've we've all lived a certain, you know, several several decades together underneath the uh, the harsh Australian sun, so. It's not like we're out there fighting them every day. Mm, yeah. no. Not anymore, anyways. Not, not since we cleared them out. Uh, <laughs> no, now I just fight Bogans. It's, it's one of the brilliant things about being in New Zealand. New Zealand has, like, no, no, no snakes. No, like, what? there's a couple of little spiders, but they're not bad. It's just... I remember Cal Wilson saying that New Zealand was like Fisher-Price, my first country. Because <laughs> everything, really everything is just very easy. The weather's nice and temperate. There's no dangerous wildlife or, or all of that. It's just so nice. It's such a different feeling. You um, have earthquakes. Yeah. Well, I think that that very much is reminiscent of when I first moved to the UK and being able to lay down in the grass without worrying about things crawling on me or potentially biting me was just like a brand new experience also the fact that the grass was green and soft instead of like dry and spiky yeah. um, it was just a whole new world for me like experiencing a, a a spring and a summer in the uk was revolutionary to me i miss kaikuya grass so much that what is what kai kaiku kaikuya grass that's like the most common grass in sydney i we have different grasses <laughs> <laughs> how do i spell this i'm googling it kai kai k i k u y u apparently it's native to east africa Oh, this is just the standard uh, backyard lawn. It's 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 slightly spikier than the grass here. 
You'll also see it very commonly in, uh, I think, like places like Eswatini and stuff. Um, it's the grass we have if in you're Queensland. Into your GeoGuessr, like I am. <laughs> oh, I see. That yeah, that's right. Oh, I can see this dirt. This dirt has a high zinc content, so this must be in uh, <laughs> East West South Africa. I really wound back on playing GeoGuessr regularly when I was able to legitimately start having a pretty good idea of what country I was in based off of the dirt or the grass. Yeah, no. It's so impressive, though. You're like a spy. Yeah, I remember watching you and you, your first thing. World's most useless spy. <laughs> Show me some dirt. I'll tell you where it's from. Hey, I've been watching a lot of Castle lately. If you can identify a place... Like with no identifiable tags, just from looking at the grass, that is a handy skill. Yeah, that's that's the kind of I don't know. Have they have they bypassed that? Like you know, um, criminal minds. They've got all these people, and then they got this guy that just knows the dirt, and they'll be like, oh, <laughs> we all we know is the killer left samples of dirt here, and he's like, that's the dirt from North Carolina, on trench street number six and they turn up and the killers they're going how did you find out it was me um <laughs> there, there, there's an op an opportunity there but i'm not sure if it um quite meets the exciting standards of of uh crime drama no no i mean i think the really interesting thing about if you ever go through a phase of trying to actively get better at geoguessr it's a really great mental exercise in really getting a grasp on the fact that our brains in a lot of ways are just giant computers. And a when you're trying to learn something like that, it's just about trying to put as much data points in there for, pa uh, for pattern recognition as possible. And the more you do that, the more accurate it becomes. And um, yeah, there's not really any skill involved. It's more just spending time wasting your life on it and then you become good that, isn't that what all skills are exactly exactly probably true you know that <laughs> ten thousand hours to become a master and it's if you spend nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine and don't spend that last one well it's a waste yeah <laughs> you know it's it's that's how you unlock it it's it's not gradual it's it, it's a threshold <laughs> true but yeah Speaking of becoming masters at things, we're going to take a short little break and then we'll probably jump into talking about some of the games we've we've mastered and maybe yeah. not mastered. So, um, no. yeah, we'll be back after that. Or before that, we'll be back after this break. Hello, my name is Blind, and I'm not on this episode because I'm stuck in Las Vegas because I decided instead of recording an episode this weekend, I would go off and have a weekend with hookers and blackjack. So, if you want to find my streams if I survive this goddamn escapade, you can find me at twitch.tv slash blindirl, and I'm a happy member of Halcyon Frequency. Toodaloos! And we are back with episode 43 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth. Uh, all right um so this is the bit where we sit down and talk about some of the games so i'm gonna let the uh the ladies go first and uh ren bannerlord hey. released into 1.0 yeah. recently yeah that's been wild honestly uh so i was super super lucky uh to work with tail worlds on release week um and i came back from a week of leave into a five hour stream outside of my normal streaming slot and uh if you've ever taken some time off of stream and then had to come back to it it's a little bit like 
getting back on a bike. It's it can be like streaming. It's one of those things if you don't do it and then you come back to it again, it, it feels a bit off. Like it takes you a little while to kind of get back into things. So I've kind of come back to this massive stream across uh, five different platforms, I think it was. I was monitoring five chats and the dev chat. And it was um, definitely trial by fire coming back from holidays into that. But it was such a good stream because everyone was just excited and everyone was just wanting to see uh, what the game has in store for them in, in 1.0. And it's a genuinely fun game. I've had my, I've had me gripes with it um, over the last couple of weeks because it's genuinely very difficult. Um, I really hope that there's people listening to this being like, ah, Bannerlord isn't difficult, blah, 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 blah. But I only ever play Bannerlord on stream. So when I say Bannerlord is difficult, I'm saying that it's difficult to stream it because yeah. I constantly have to try and make it entertaining to watch. And there is a, there's a, a fair few mechanics that kind of um, you're forced into a little bit. So lots of trading, you can do smithing. And those are great. Those are great ways to make money, which uh, help out a lot in terms of playthrough. They're not great stream content. So I've steered away from them and kind of um, give myself a bit of a debuff. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's fun. Um, my playthrough has been through, unfortunately, so many uh, updates and patches and mods and stuff that it's a bit broken. Um, so I kind of say that any problems you see me having on stream probably aren't uh, reflective of the overall game. <laughs> I, my playthrough is just very long and very broken because of its history. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's genuinely really, really fun. And I think it's a, definitely a worthy success at a warband. And just the fact that we have it now. Like, how many games get canned these days? And we finally have Bannerlord in 1.0. And we have a dedicated team who honestly love the game and that's what came through to me over that release stream is that the dev team and the people working behind the scenes for the streamers because it was a stream marathon there was quite a few of us that streamed it and they went without sleep for like three days to make sure that we were up and running and it was just such a labor of love and they're just so passionate about this game that it's so exciting to see and it's so lovely to be able to work with a studio like that and to play this game which yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna swear at it a lot because it's really frustrating but it's yeah. also really fun i so... i have loved banner lord since i got it um i was i bought it you you might recall this I, you might not actually i don't know if you got a key from the developers did you I, I I streamed the beta release of it in March 2020. Yeah. Right. Okay. So when it launched on early access on Steam, it broke Steam. Yeah, I was streaming I, it at the time. I, was I had people coming buy... into chat become, being yeah. like, excuse me, lady on the Tail Worlds channel, I am trying to buy this game and Steam won't let me. And I'm yep. like, because you broke Steam and I'm just a streamer, bro. Like, so, what do you want me to do? Yeah. I wound up with three copies of it because I tried oh. buying it on Steam and it was rejected. And then I tried buying it from the website and I had an error. Then I tried buying it again and all three purchases cleared up and went through. So I already had oh it on gosh. Steam and I had two keys <laughs> and I ended up giving those away to a couple of friends because I was like, you've got to play Bannerlord. Yeah. But it's, I've, I've loved that game from the start and you're right. It is frustrating. Mm. It's, it's frustrating when you wind up in a combat and then you fall and then you watch all of your allies just lose their brain and what say, was the, the combat ai is not brilliant at the yeah, moment yeah um though it wasn't even in warband either though you know there were there was always that no if you send your troops into a battle without you you're going to it's lose 10 screen. times as many yeah 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 but oh uh, it's it's like i still 
love Bannerlord. Um, I usually go, no, I'm going to play it vanilla. Play it vanilla for a little bit, and I'm like, no, I have a massive axe, and I want to hit more than two people. So mm. I get the ability to, you know, the mod that lets you cleave through people, and... Yeah. Oh, just... There's there's so much joy in it in, in the combat uh, <laughs> system, and I just love it. There's there's times that I really, like, I, I'm so glad it's in 1.0 because I'm so keen for mm. what the modders do. Um, I love I, that they that was one of the first things they did was, well, like, recently, um, when we started getting closer to releases, that they put uh, the workshop up and available so everyone could move their mods over, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, this makes my life so much easier. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, no, it's absolutely great, and um, I, I'm... It's one of those things because you you mentioned that oh you know like games can be cancelled and such and yeah that that is the case. Bannerlord was in development for like ten years or something. You yeah. Know? Like like when we say oh it got it got released it's against the odds. Usually when a game winds up being that long it's like Duke Nukem Forever and it turns out and it's mm. absolutely trash because it's just been stuck in so much development hell. Mm -hmm. But seeing it launch and seeing how it came out was just like this is amazing and it's I, so much fun definitely when um when i did the original stream um so yeah it was like march 2020 i woke up to an email one day being like hey um we're going to be doing this this launch stream with four other streamers we want you to be part of it if you're keen let us know we'll get you a key so you can start setting up for it so i had a key um about 24 hours before it released. I remember loading it up for the first time mm -hmm. and there's a piece of music called Beautiful Land and it's in Warband and it's one of my favorite pieces of music. It's the first song on the Bannerlord soundtrack and it's the first song you hear um, on the campaign map. So I, I remember getting to the campaign map and my little character is sitting there on her horse on the, on the map and Beautiful Land started playing but with this beautiful revamped Bannerlord style and I started crying. <laughs> I genuinely just started crying because it Aww. hit me. It hit me that one of my favorite games of all time, which is Mountain Blade Warband, is here in this new iteration, in this new era for us to continue playing it. And the dedication and the passion to making a new version of that game was so strong that they carried mm. across this beautiful piece of music and updated it for us. And I, I had a moment. I had a teary little moment. <laughs> I think if I recall, Warband is That's how I awesome. met you too. I think so, yeah. I was a Warband streamer uh, for four months and then made partner and then Bannerlord came out. It was a wild, wild year. Um, I think I met you through Outworld. Yes, yeah, um, you did. Because I was convinced that Outworld was like a Bannerlord streamer as well because all of, or Mountain Blade streamer because all of his alerts were Mountain Blade themed. And I was like, mm. wow, this guy's cool. And I think we wound up raiding you. And it wasn't until ages later that I found out that he, no, he used, just really good at doing alerts and stuff for whatever game he's mm. playing when he's into it and he's actually just like this legend in the mortal Kombat scene and he was yeah. just, he was just playing mountain blade for fun and you know i was doing the same some of my earliest clips on my channel are um you know from bannerlord and from mountain blade warband and it's just it's so funny seeing how how these games have grown and how they've shaped not not just us but you mm. know just the growth alone. I wouldn't have a career if it, if it wasn't for Mountain Blade, the franchise. Like, I, I started playing it because it, it something about it just spoke to me. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, coded to my DNA. I was like, this is my <laughs> game now. This, thank you. This is mine. Um, and we actually, uh, yesterday on stream, we dug up a really old clip 
which is from like way back in the day. My camera is like two pixels. It looks terrible. I'm wearing a flanny. I have a headset mic. Like it was just, um, it was a whole nother era. But I had my baby bird sitting on my shoulder. Henry was 12 weeks old, this little baby cockatiel. Um, we'd just gotten her. So I was spending time with her um, to get her used to people. And she was sitting on my shoulder preening while I was playing Mountain Blade and streaming. And we get to this, I was in this intense battle and I actually had, I reckon I had about 11 viewers at the time. So I was stoked. Like, I was like, holy shit, guys, I've made it. This is amazing. Double <laughs> digits. Holy fuck. Um, and I'm sitting there and it goes into another round and of, of battle. And I've gone, oh my God, round three. And then I kind of look at the bird on my shoulder and I say, Henry, round three. And when I say Henry, she looks up at her name and she goes, Ert! And then just goes back to preening. <laughs> it just <laughs> melted me. And I think that's one of my most viewed clips of all time. because it, And it just encapsulates everything from the beginning of my streaming journey. It was like intense warband gameplay. Me not really <laughs> giving a shit about what I look like. R bad audio. And a bird. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so cool. It's, it's always funny seeing stuff like that. Especially like um kinseed is launching on to early access on this oh no to 1.0 on the 6th of december as well and that's a game that i played uh, like six or seven years ago as well not on stream but you know you sort of realize oh i've come a long way since this you know since this started since this game and yeah. um there's there's i think every streamer has a game like that that's like oh yeah yeah, that game takes me back to when I just started streaming or when I was just like this absolute nobody and doing all of these tiny little things in my own little world and didn't realize what, what the future had in store for me. Absolutely. It's a, it's a different kind of nostalgia. Even now, um, when, I, when I need some time off having a face cam, I'll go, I'll go face camless and I will pick up my old Warband playthrough where I left off because I never really finished it. And that's just, uh, it's very comforting for me. It's like very, very much a comfort zone. Yeah. Speaking of comfort zones. <laughs> absolutely no, no segue. Like ominous segue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we've nailed the, se the segues this episode. Yeah. Uh, Drongo, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Worm Online this week. Ooh. Uh, which as you correctly assert, is a real comfort zone for me. Uh, because, of course, that is how Arch and I know each other. Uh, for better or worse, we met through... Much, uh, much to everyone's detriment. Well, yeah, <laughs> quite literally, yeah. <laughs> the reign of terror has been truly something to behold. Uh, but yeah, I've been playing quite a bit of that off-stream. It's, it's just one of those games where I'll go through kind of phases of playing more or less of it but it's always a game that i come back to and it's just very very chill very relaxing and i can play it and do something in the game and feel some sense of achievement whilst also working on other things or enjoying something else at the same time like a tv show or um you know doing admin stuff um you know things like that so it's just a it's it's it fits nicely into my life and i always enjoy uh playing it but i've been playing a bit more of it lately which is yeah it's been good i love your worm online streams i watch all i lurk a lot of them because i just find them really relaxing they were always great yeah it's a very chill game it's 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 kind of funny because 
um, you say that, but you know, like as as Drongo mentioned, you know, we met we met through Worm, and I was the um, the community manager for it. And when he he announced that he was going to be doing Worms uh, Worm streams, I used that as an opportunity to go to my boss or bosses. I think uh, it was Buddha and and also Rolf, but this was mostly through Buddha. And I was like, look. <clears throat> We need to get behind this streaming thing. Like, what? Watch him do it. See how he does it. See how he. It. It's not just about the gameplay because the gameplay itself is pretty passive, right? You're watching a stream of the gameplay is as someone who loves the game, who's someone who built an entire content creation platform around it. It's very boring to watch the gameplay. It's what you do with the gameplay, what you do around it. And watching Drongo talk about the game, have these conversations about the game, share stories and all of that while playing it is what really drove me to be able to be like, this is something that we should support and this is the way we should do it. Because, yeah, I love Worm 2. Um, I've been playing it nowhere near as long as you, probably about half as long as you. Uh, I started in mm. 2012 or 2013, just after 1.0 um yeah i'm coming up on 17 uh 17 18 years now yeah so a fair ridiculous while. amount of time but i also want to point out like he's been playing it a lot more and he's been posting all these titles um and some of those titles are very 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 low level titles it's like look at me <laughs> look at me i've just started this thing like you know sharing his titles of things that i've had for years and it's just like okay. mate mate hurry up hurry up like all you're doing is showing that you've been not been doing enough in the game and you finally started doing something and you want all the praise for it now so um <laughs> i just want to point out here that arch is specifically attacking me for sharing uh worm related content in my discord in my worm channel sharing little tidbits in there i'm being attacked right now for that and it is it is not what odd. can i say if How i tried you. attacking you anywhere else for it i would look like a bully yeah just do it on a podcast mm. yeah that's that's mm. that's that was on my to-do list today attack emu about worm okay i can tick that one off <laughs> but no um it's like worm i've been what have i been working on? i finally hit 90 mining and i've been working on making myself a special axe because this month's skin so i've literally just been staring there and clicking a button every 30 seconds and um it's still really fun to do <laughs> after after seven or eight years so far you know i plan on going a, another another seven or eight it's it's interesting how brain like number go higher. Ah, uh, it really is the old school dopamine go brr. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> like everyone talks that like the sense of achievement in it is just second to none because it's slow, right? Um, I'm not sure if you've tried playing it, Ren, but it's slow. Building a house like a one tile house will take a couple of hours you know and it's it's so incredibly slow compared to all the fast-paced games out there and it has that just that spot of that sense of achievement you know 
um, because you actually feel like you've put in work. It's not like Minecraft where you just go chop down 10 trees, plant the blocks and you're done. It's, it's you've got to find the trees, you've got to flatten the land, you've got to chop the trees down, turn them into planks, turn, you know, start building. And so it does leave you with this feeling of um, satisfaction and it's something that keeps bringing me back. Like anytime mm. I start playing a game that's got real fast reward scenarios, I'm just like, nah, I'd rather work for this. <laughs> this is coming too easy. I've never played it, uh, oh. but I have, yeah, I've, I've watched it. And I think there's a lot of games that I prefer to watch uh, rather than actually play myself. Absolutely. Mm. Same. Um, one game that I've been, I've watched before and I've started playing, and this is an off-stream game, is mm. Yakuza 0. Okay. Um, have you have either of you two played the Yakuza series? Negative. No, but I have watched a bit. Yeah, of Yeah. So I've had a friend of mine tell me that I should have I should be playing it. He's been telling me for years um, that I should play it, that I should check it out, and I've always been like, yeah, 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 it's on my list. And last night I was looking for something, saying, yeah, I should play something, and I looked at it and I found Yakuza Zero, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try it. I am hooked. It is so <laughs> much fun. It is really fluid. It's really fun. And it's got a great story. And I can't get over how good the suit models and textures are. Like, um, when did Yakuza 0 come out? Uh, let me are, have a Are you asking us or Googling me. it? I'm Googling it. Um, okay. <laughs> it came out in 2015. Okay. The textures on the suit. The way everything looks is so good, right? It doesn't feel like a seven-year-old game. And um, just looking here, it's literally got a 95% positive rating on Steam. That's super impressive. Out of 42,000. Yeah, wow. Holy heck. Wow. Holy heck. <laughs> that is really yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez. We're not talking like, oh, it's got 92% positive reviews out of 100. No, it's almost at 43,000 reviews and, um, yeah, 90, 95% positive. Um, it's just an amazing game. It's fun. It's, it's challenging. I literally went and did the, um, the, you can go to go do karaoke oh, cool. and it's like, oh, it's a rhythm game. Press the buttons in time with it. And I'm like, yeah, I've got this. I've got this. I can do rhythm games. Oh my god, they go so fast, and you got to like hit the buttons right. And if you get start getting it good, the scene transforms from him singing at some dodgy bar to him on stage and people clapping and all of this, and like it really gets you in. And it's just, it's I've only played like the first three hours of it. It's just really great. It really does bring you in and sort of build like quite a nice, um, nice thing. And yeah, no, it's been an absolute fun game, and I'm so glad that I finally got into it. It's on a uh, Game Pass as well, which is why I started playing it. I was going to say, isn't it weird how, like, as content creators, we are surrounded by people who are pretty familiar with us, pretty familiar with our content, with the games that we play, and they're like, oh, you should play this game, you'd love it. Oh, this game, this game, this game, you'd love it. Here's the Steam uh, link to it. Here's some reviews on it. Here's my personal opinion of it. And we're like, you know what? No. Because <laughs> you've recommended it, I am now going to go out of my way to not play it. Or is that I just me? No, I had someone. No, I had someone who was yeah. in my chat going, "Have you played this? Have you played this? You should play this." And I'm like, 
mate, I'm playing RimWorld here. I'm enjoying my game. And he's like, no, no, you got to try this. You got to try this. And I'm like, look, okay, because you've done that, I'm going to stop my stream. <laughs> I'm just going to load up the site and I'm going to put it on my ignore list. Because <laughs> you have suggested it, okay? I want you to think about that. And the guy's like, okay, that's fair. And <laughs> <laughs> that's a surprising reaction, honestly. Uh, it, was, it was one of those people that comes in at the start of the stream when you've got like five people watching and think, oh, yeah, small streamer, I can really push for all of this. And yeah. it just starts getting a little bit much. So I was like, yeah, nah, I'm actually, you know, no more of this. And yeah, um, I, I, I've seen that too, though. Like, I get people suggesting games all the time, and it's like, I'd love to play it don't have the time i need to be in the mood for it and you know yeah. all of this and i've really got to have the capacity to learn a new game because i just i just i don't like learning new games um there's something about the, the experience of being a complete beginner over and over and over again that i just really don't jive with is that why you like sticking to uh colony sims because it's like all the same same scenario it's, or yeah it's roughly the same tools um and so like i yeah i play like father's frontier and against the storm and everything uh, which are fairly easy games to learn if you used to like colony at ui uh and then i tried to play the demo of sweet transit and had like a breakdown um so <laughs> sweet transit is a uh it's a game published by team 17 where it's 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 adorable right you build like little towns and you link them with trains oh my god it's so hard trying to link these bloody trains and trying to figure out what they want it was i i did actually record it um because i was going to do like the first um attempted a demo kind of video but i got so frustrated in it that i could never post the video because i'm just like what do they want it what do the trains me, need i remember seeing it looked like a open transport tycoon a little bit yeah yeah i i remember i've just opened it now and it says sweet transit is a unique city builder and i'm like unique yeah. it literally looks like ottd <laughs> <laughs> it's an i i wouldn't call i genuinely wouldn't call it a city builder i would call it a like a transport manager yeah. I guess you do build buildings in it. I don't know. I know. All I know is that that game, like, that broke me for a little while. I was like, I'm done with new games. I need familiar territory. Where's Bannerlord? <laughs> there is something that is very comforting about a, you know, coming back to a game that you're familiar with. And in a lot of ways, I would describe you know, trying to learn new games or in particular a new genre of mm. games as learning a new language because it very much is in a lot of ways. You have to learn how the game is communicating with you and articulating ideas. And there's a really interesting, like if you want to go down a rabbit hole of understanding that as a concept, there's a really interesting YouTube channel that, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's a, a guy who... Uh, it basically has a, a channel that is devoted to him getting his wife who's yeah. a non-gamer to play video yep. games and watching how she interacts with the world because she doesn't you know have that understanding of you know the Get way that developers will indicate an item that you can interact yeah, with yeah. or how they hint at how you can complete puzzles and things like that within the game world it's all a very uh, it is a language it's a, it's a it's a method of communicating with the actual player of it and i think 
there is definitely you, you have to be in the right mindset to want to learn a new language absolutely i think you refer to it as gaming literacy uh, yeah. i'm just looking at the channel yeah. now uh what games are like for someone who doesn't play games rasputin That's yeah one, that yeah. that was a brilliant video i loved that video and it was super, super interesting good. how she interpreted the world around her mm -hmm. really fascinating yeah i i totally get what you're saying about um having to learn new genres like a new language because like I go from playing Mass Effect offline, right, to then trying to play Bannerlord, and it's really weird kind of having to remap um, hotkeys in my head. That's why I've, I've kicked a lot of horses because the E button is interact in Andromeda. It's, uh, it's kick in, Mass of, in what's it called, Bannerlord. So I've, I've, yeah, I've booted a fair few horses in my time. Not even on purpose. <laughs> I know I have a reputation, I know. I've, I've, I've always it's... wondered if everybody looks hmm. at Master Chief weirdly, if he goes to reload his gun and accidentally throws a grenade. Yeah. You know, just I, I taking that muscle memory from one game to another and it just all goes wrong. Yep. Right. Um, sorry, I just had to duck away for a moment. Um, turned out I was the only one in the house and I had to let someone in. Oh. That's okay. We had actually probably the most... Uh, intellectual mm. discussion since the podcast started with you yeah, gone, I, so. left the, uh, I left in the I left in the the IQ just repaying, went up yep yeah just repaying the favor for throwing shade at me uh about worms so yeah, that's all welcome. right yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll forgive you because I'm just that kind of guy today yeah all right. <laughs> one game that I want to quickly touch on Speaking of muscle memory, Magic Axolotl. Now, you've probably never heard of this game. Um, it's like a 10-minute no, game. It's made by one guy. And I got it. I, I, I saw it and I thought, wow, that's it's like hand-drawn art. I thought, wow, that's cute. The music soundtrack in it is the most banging thing I've ever heard in a game. Really? My entire chat just huh. was loving it. It is it is this real upbeat, great music. And the, the whole premise is you've got creatures coming in at you and they've got patterns that you've got to draw to beat them. It's literally an up and down. So like an, up, an L, a minus, a pointing up arrow and a pointing down arrow. That's it. Super simple. But it gets super complex as more come in and you've got to do like multiple patterns to get rid of one. And it's just this really great rhythm game. Absolutely love the crap out of it. Lasted 15 minutes and I thought, let's try the very hard mode. <laughs> we died in like three minutes. <laughs> but yeah, no, right. it's a fun little game. Uh, I think it's like $2 on Steam or something I picked it up for absolutely worth getting if you want just like this real cool tune i i literally left the main screen playing for a little bit and it's like it went nowhere it wasn't this game i had to invest a lot of time to learn all of this i just had to master a few mouse movements and that was it and it was absolutely great absolutely loved it i reckon one of my streamers would really like it i'll pass it on to him definitely definitely worth it and it's yeah, like I said, super cheap. I think it's even on itch.io, which probably has it even cheaper because Steam 
um, Steam payments and such. But yeah, that would probably be the most enjoyable 15 minutes I've had in the past couple of weeks. Just probably a strange thing to say. So I'm not, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> say it a little bit I'm honest. not saying shit. <laughs> no, it's like just a, so much of me getting into a new game is like, oh, I've got to invest so much time. Like, you yeah. know, the, the website, like how long to beat. I literally get to the point that I look at, I look at that before I decide to play a game, you know? And if it's like, oh, it's, what's that? Uh, what website? I think it's is called it? How Long to Beat. Oh. And I've never heard of that. It's, uh, talks about game lengths and stuff. So you can like, uh, how long to beat Yakuza zero. Mm -hmm. And so main story, 31 hours, main plus extra 64 and a half completionist 140. And that's people inputting their experiences, how long they took to go through it and, and all of that. So you know, yeah, I kind right. of look at games on that going, okay, do I have 31 hours I want to put into a game? And, and I find myself sitting there being like, I don't know if I can justify that. Understandable. Yeah. I, I mean, I will usually go into a new game, usually pretty blissfully unaware, unless it's one that I've watched somebody else playing already. Well, that's how you go through life, isn't it? Blissfully unaware. <laughs> But um, one thing that you and I have been playing a lot of, and, and Ren, I don't know if you have been either, is RimWorld in the list here. How, yes. A how are World. your children, Drongo? They're going really well. Really, really well. I'm very happy with how the game has implemented children into it. It's been uh, something where... In the lead up to the release of the game, I was very hesitant about the concept of children. And, you know, I was on the record as saying, you know, I don't, I feel like this is a mechanic that RimWorld doesn't need and I'll probably play with it turned off. Uh, but I am happy to have been proven wrong and I'm really enjoying the Biotech DLC uh, in its entirety, including children, including the Mechanitors, including the vampires or Sangephages. Uh, the whole kit and caboodle, it's a, it's a good time. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, my, my favorite thing with the kids is um, just how they, they need to, like, play. And they just, they just go around and do their own thing. And um, one mod mm -hmm. that I recently got was more floor drawings. Because while they're playing, they'll, they'll oh. draw on the floor and little symbols will appear on the floor. And that's, like, the, the child playing. Yeah. But um, I'm just looking to see what I can find the image of for the mod. But it's basically like ducks and and things like that. Like, you know, a lot just more little. Because normally it currently looks like it's the writing of a serial killer. Like <laughs> it's weird symbols. And you're like, okay, this looks like a little bit wrong. But um, the actual, this one adds like... Uh, I think it's just called abstract art. No, which is no, totally fine. No, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, weird. it's weird. No, okay, it's right, weird. Sure. I don't I don't want children right. writing zodiac script on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
not Zodiac. It is. Crypto. It is. They're writing clues to their next killing on the on the floors. It's it's a little bit ridiculous, but um. Like, I, I do like how they've implemented children as well. And I like that there's a little bit of awareness of, you know, this is the way to get, a, you know, this is getting a little bit much. Like, um, the text on, you can get a child-sized metal helmet. And it's, like, designed, to, you know, mostly to stop sharp, but can take some, some blunt damage. However, if this helmet is being used in a combat scenario, something has gone drastically wrong already. And... I just, for some reason, find that incredibly amusing that they've gone, okay, we need armor for kids. And then they've gone, oh no, if you need armor for kids, you're in a bad spot. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it seems to be, to me, like a bit of a contentious issue within the community at the moment, because there's, I think probably a lot of people like myself who are just like happy to enjoy it for what it is. But then there's a lot of, you know, I guess the other side of the community, which is very edgy and likes to kind of push the boundaries of, I guess, what would be considered good taste, acceptable in terms of humor yeah. and the way you approach those kinds of topics. And I think there there is, a, I guess, a degree of comfort that I've taken in that a lot of the community that I interact with on a regular basis are very much the types of people that have kind of approached it in a pretty reasonable way mm. and have you know been a not a, an edgy edgy loser about the whole thing but then when you look at places like the rimwald uh official uh, the, the the community discord uh and places like that where there's a lot of people that posting there and they had to do a a, a, a rule amendment and an and server-wide announcement earlier this week, I think it was, basically telling people that, you know, this stuff isn't funny to joke about. Like, it's still a game, but, you know, it, it's dealing with pretty dark topics. Yeah. So I think, in general, I'm happy with how the game has implemented it, but, you know, I, I think I'm also still very much acutely aware that the putting, you know, children into scenarios like that is intensely troubling uh especially when people think that they're being funny about it and being edgy. yeah absolutely. that is one of the things that really turns me off a lot of rimworld streamers um and like i i streamed rimworld for a little bit back in the day and the worst thing i did was honestly i murked a guinea pig like <laughs> and i i'd have so many people coming come in and be like oh so what have you been doing i've had this i've had this 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 and this happened to a colonist and i you know like i ripped their lungs out and stuff and i'm like okay yeah um like I, I am assuming that you're trying to be funny by going really extreme, but it just makes me really concerned for you. Like, um, and I, I don't like, I really don't like that side of thing. I'm, I'm with you, Drongo, in terms of humor. I, I prefer to like things that aren't, um, I don't, know, I don't know how to put it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you completely. I, I think the furthest I've gone is I, we grabbed a raider and we took their lungs cause I had someone who had uh, asthma and he needed replacement lungs. And, yeah. and even then I felt really bad while doing it. And the thing that I want to stress out is most streamers that I know play very defensively. You know, you're a colony, you get attacked, you have to defend, you've got all these defenses. Um, I'm currently playing wasters, which is one of the new xenotypes that have been added that require psychite to live 
and they don't care about pollution and they're bad at growing crops and stuff. So I've actually been raiding a lot of places. We've been, you know, doing a lot of reputation negative things, but still like I, 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 I cringe and shudder at the idea of being like, ha ha ha, look at my gas chamber. Ha ha ha. Look at, you know, uh. my child soldiers. Like, yes, my 10 year old has a minigun, but that's because they've got the trigger happy perk, which just makes it all that much, all that much better. But I'm not sitting there going, ah, ha, 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 ha. Um, it, it, it does feel like an opportunity for edgy people to show off their edginess. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I'm pretty, pretty pleased with how it was implemented in terms mm. of it really does encourage like, you know, bringing out this idea of nurturing the community of, of, um, of pawns as opposed to like having children is like a sweet, we've got a child, we've got to look after, we've got to do this. It's not just, ha ha, here's a gun and he's ghost stand there, you know? Um, so I don't know. I think the, I think the, the get, when you consider the way that Tynan approaches how he develops RimWorld, which is not from a place of this is a game to be played, but as a this is a story yes. generator for yep. a player to experience. The way that children have been implemented into the game is done really, really well because it's a way that is thoughtful and promotes uh, an investment and a sense of interest in the well-being of the child in the colony and wanting to raise them to, uh, you know, give them the best chance of having a good future within the the storyline of the game. And I think that is a, you know, a, a pretty powerful kind of storytelling device within that specific view of the game, not, uh, sorry, RimWorld not being a game, but as a storytelling generator. Yeah. One, the um, yeah. one thing I'd like it, the one community I'd liken it to in my own experience is the D&D &D or TTRPG community, you know, because you've got these people that come in and it's, if you were playing like a story-based game, you'd have so many people, like you wouldn't have so many people going, oh, I had this happen in the game, so I had to do this because everyone goes through the same thing. Yet D&D &D players love talking about their campaigns and characters. Rimworld players love talking mm -hmm. about their colonies and scenarios. And mm, and yes. so it becomes almost like people sharing their own stories, which goes back to, you know, storytelling in games in general is people love sharing their stories about their colonies and such. And most of the people who share them have pretty, you know, um, pretty sensible tastes. Like if I came in, there's always the jokes about cannibalism and human leather hats and stuff. But... If I think if I had anyone come in talking about how they'd done any of this stuff, I'd have been like, yep, right, off you go. You know, uh, <laughs> you can have the banhammer. Um, but no, I, I, I do really enjoy, like, I've come to enjoy hearing about other people's um, colonies and, and, and what they've done with it because there's just so much that is, there's almost, at this point, there's almost too much content for one person in RimWorld. You know, like you look at all the xenotypes, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, to, to, the time taken to do like a full Sanguifage playthrough, to do a full um, Mechanitor playthrough, to play with the entirety of the Xenogerm system. It's just too much content. Yeah, I, 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 I actually agree with that. And it was, it was really interesting because in the lead up to biotech releasing, I was speaking with people about the, the previous DLCs and a lot of people that I'd speak to would say things like, oh, you know, ideology was a really shallow DLC. There wasn't a lot of content there. But typically when you dig a little bit deeper, it's because these people had only played a very select amount of the content within ideology uh, and a lot of it is spread so widely across the different memes that you can make your religion up of that you don't really understand the way that impacts the the way you play the game and the way that that will prompt you to have a very different uh, experience with the game that it feels shallow because you're not seeing a lot of it yeah and it feels like the xenogerm stuff is very much in that same sort of boat uh, boat that unless you really go out of your way to kind of seek out that very different experience then you could really miss it because it's it's not something that the game necessarily kind of forces on you and you really have to go looking of your own volition and even then even once you go looking, you're going to have to take, you know, multiple stabs at it over a really long period of time before you kind of, if you want to try and experience all that it has to offer, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, like, yeah. um, that is why my recent colony is the waste of Xenogerm. I went away from the baseline one. I went away for one that was actively designed around raiding and I took the uh, raider ideology as well because... You know, I, I remember I've, I've complained to you directly um, about how I felt um, ideology was mostly managing moodlets. Like, you know, all these mood debuffs mm. and there's no major mechanic changing things. And you were saying, so take the ones that do change mechanics. And so we yeah. are... Well, it's like, but, but it's like, when, when you think about it, like, okay, what is managing moodlets doing? managing moodlets is forcing me to move away from my natural yeah. play style and that is in of itself the content getting you to approach the game in a different yeah. way um rather than and, but i can also understand why a lot of people are uncomfortable with that because it's like oh well i'm used to playing in this way but now i'm feeling frustrated because i'm gonna have to change the way that i do these things um to manage these debuffs yeah so yeah have you played much with um biotech rent i have not had a look at it yet um because, well banner lords just come out so that's taken all of my time <laughs> yeah for but sure. one of my friends is very very deep in uh in biotech at the moment i went and visited him the other day because we catch up for lunch every now and then and i walked through the door and the first thing he said was look at my colony <laughs> wow. and i had to go over and examine the colony and it was quite large um and i was like how are you running this and he had to download performance mods because it was buffering and stuttering because mm, his yeah. colonies are so large um and he is he is yeah very much deeply in it so i've i've had the rundown of biotech i don't feel the need myself to explore it just yet because i feel mm. like 
like what you guys were just talking about like there's a lot of content and yeah. there's mm. almost like too much content now and like I'm, I'm when i started playing RimWorld on stream someone was like what mods are you running i said i'm not running any mods and they said well how can you play this game vanilla and i'm like bro i am still trying to learn the ui how are you playing this with mods oh, like look, the game has come so far like okay without any of the dlc um like back in 1.0 vanilla mm. was very lacking but every yeah. time DLC comes I in, completely well, no, no, no. Okay, so vanilla I... was lacking a lot of the quality of life stuff that mods brought, and I we've... still found it okay. Like I, I had probably like the the most original experience you could have with the game. I had no mods, I had no DLC at the time. I was just playing vanilla RimWorld, and yeah. I was like, this is fun, and and I could oh, figure yeah. it no, out. Oh yeah, it's stuff, absolutely but... fun. It's absolutely fun. Mm. I've just found as time's gone on, I need less quality of life mods because they're being incorporated into the base game. That That's mostly what I mean. As time goes on, more quality of life is being added and that makes it a lot easier to play vanilla. I think if I went back to a full, not 1.4 um, vanilla with no DLC, if we went rolled back to before royalty even came out, played that without any DLC and, you know, no mods, I think it would be a much more just a little bit more frustrating for me uh in the sense that you know there's a lot of quality of life that i've come to come to be used to and to me that they're, they're the the must-have mods i see people who talk about oh i've got you know combat extended oh i've got this and it's like yeah okay they're, they're great mods and i understand that but to me if i only you know had to pick mods it would be mods that would add more visual feedback more um quality of life and stuff and so yeah i i can't understand shaming someone for playing vanilla or being like how can you play vanilla because to me the the biggest thing would be just you know slightly more frustrating but completely doable well the, th the thing is like i mean i i think i just have a very different perspective on this because it's like i mean i've been playing between vanilla and modded for you know since the game was in pretty early alpha before it was on on steam and i've never felt that even like the quality of some of the quality of life mods i've never felt like they are must have mods yeah. uh and i just i just don't think the game has ever needed I them i mean like i'm not disagreeing that there has been a lot of changes that have improved the game overall um over the years but it's i don't think rimworld has ever felt like a game that has needed anything else supplementary to what exists in the in the no, game but no, i understand no. that that can be very much a subjective i, I, com I completely uh, agree with you on that in the sense of it's not like uh oh god thank god mods exist for this game otherwise it'll be trash you know it's it's not a bethesda game um <laughs> Uh, it doesn't need mods to fix the game and make the game playable. Um, the game is fully playable, is fully enjoyable, is absolutely great in vanilla. Just to me and my own experience, I've learned that mods, especially quality of life ones, ones that give me visual feedback because of how I play, because of, you know, all of this, being able to see more information means I don't forget to go looking for that information if that makes sense. Like, for example, pulling one out, mm. color-coded mood bars. Being able to look up sure. and see who is feeling what 
really matters to me because I forget to actually go and check everyone's moods. So what I would be going through otherwise is basically people having these breaks and being like, why are you going on breaks? Oh, this is happening. Oh, this is going on. And so those sort of things benefit me, but it's playable without it. I just, you know, I, I, I prefer having more of that information more readily available. Yeah. That's fair. Um, moving on though. Ren. Speaking of games that launched recently, Against the Storm. Yeah. Against the Storm. I love Against the Storm. It is genuinely one of my favorite games. Um, really? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So Against the Storm is a little roguelike city builder. Um, and I did a lore video on it a little while ago. And the, the, the devs were really, really fantastic and forthcoming with information and did up a little information packet for me. And it was the first lore video I'd ever done and it was super relaxing because as I was writing the script for it, I had the game open. And much like Magic Axolotl, uh, the soundtrack for Against the Storm is absolutely amazing. It's this beautiful plinky plunky little soundtrack with just this constant sound of rain because it is a, uh, it's officially a rain punk city builder, which means that all the technology um, throughout the game is fueled by rain and okay. it's genuinely just such a fun game to play it's really satisfying it's really relaxing it's one of the only city builders i've ever played that has an objective um which is that you go out you set up a little colony you're given tasks by the uh the scorched queen is it the scorched queen yeah the scorched queen who lives in the smoldering city yep um she gives you tasks and you try to complete them by delivering resources on time or achieving certain things by a, a set time limit and then when you like fill up the fill up the bar of the, the queen's happiness and she's like, yep, the settlement's good, move on. Um, the storm basically wipes your, your slate clean and you unlock new areas and move around. It's, it's honestly a really unique idea that's just been done really well. So it was uh, developed by Eremite Games and published by Hooded Horse. And I think we all know that I'm a massive Hooded Horse fan. Um, and it's just, it's genuinely such a great game. It's finally come to Steam. It's been on, um, what's the other one? Oh my God, my brain is just, Epic Games. It's been on Epic for a while, but this is the first time it's come to Steam. And uh, seeing, all the, seeing all the positive reviews come in, I feel like I've got like a vested stake in seeing them come in when someone's like, oh my God, this is a great game. It, I'm just like, it is, isn't it? it is. I've had nothing to do with the game. I've just covered it, but I'm so proud of them and I'm so happy for them because I love seeing good games get recognition. Yeah, Hooded Horse has absolutely got some fantastic games out there, and we've actually had yeah. um, one of their one of their team, Cormac, um, or Cormacker, on on the podcast before. And yeah, oh, no, wow. there's, there's an absolute passion for for these types of games within Hooded, Hooded Horse, and it's so easy to see. Um, I recently played uh, Manor Lords as well, which is another game mm. that they publish and. I'm mm. not great at colony city builders. Like that's that's one thing that's probably a surprise given how much I enjoy Rimworld. I am not good at them. You know, I I struggle with uh, keeping on top of things like Frostpunk. I oh no, we don't know. <laughs> no, I no. did a seven-hour stream of Frostpunk, and I oh my I've god, not how? touched because I hit that point where we might have survived, and I was like seven, five hours in. And I was like, I don't want to stream this again. <laughs> so we're playing this colony through until it until it lives or dies. 
and oh we ended up God. actually just finishing it. Um, well done. Half the Frost Punk is a um, yeah. a marathon. <laughs> half the population died, but yeah, no, it's the the feel of things getting tougher and tougher and tougher as you're struggling to keep up, and and all of that can can get quite frustrating for me. So. Um, the idea of this being built around constantly resetting kind of appeals to me because it's not like you're getting to the end game where, you know, there, there's a sense of achievement and progression before you get to the end game and lose it all. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd highly recommend it, honestly. The um, graphics oh, yeah. look Against the Storm, so yeah. good. Oh, this, yeah. It's such a cute art style. Are we talking Manor Lords or Against the Storm? Against the Storm. Yeah, it's super, like, yeah. super cute. I have it. I have it installed. I've not gotten around to playing it yet, but every time somebody's spoken about it, I've been encouraged to actually get around to doing it, which is why I haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah, course, absolutely. I I will. At some when point. I was doing the lore video for it, and I was um I was in games just trying to get footage for the video, I actually just got like really invested because I was like, oh well, this part of the map is because of this. So there's like different areas that you can build your town in. Uh, and each kind of section has its own lore behind it, which was really surprising because it doesn't really go into it in the game. But the little info packet that the dev sent me go went into it all. So it's covered in the lore video. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And like, uh, you know, when I made the, the video and I posted about it, I was like, guys, like, I really kind of want to run a one shot in this. And the dev just went, can I be in it? <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah. Can you imagine running a one shot with the dev of a game in their own setting? That would be amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. And honestly, like if they ever want to do the novelization, like hit me up because I've just got, I've got ideas, you know, I've got, I've got ideas. It's such a beautiful, beautiful world, gorgeous artwork, fantastic mechanics, and just the most relaxing soundtrack you will ever hear. Oh, that's awesome. It looks, it looks like a lot of fun. And I really mm. love it when, when games like that just come together and just do so well, because like every game out there is, is an absolute monumental effort of you know development and all of this and so seeing games that have a very clear passion and have a very clear that like i'm not used to lore in colony builders like right a, a lot of it is just oh here's this here's the lead up here's the scenario boom done um so it's kind of cool to hear that they've like actually put thought and work into lore for it absolutely yeah it's all there um just, I just keep spruiking the lore video, but I'm really happy with it. Like, I'm super <laughs> proud of it. Um, it was a lot of fun to write. It was a lot of fun to produce. And it was really great working with um, the devs that closely. Because it, it, I don't know, it was an interesting topic to cover. And I'm really glad that they put in the work. It's fantastic wor uh, world building. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. The uh, last game on the list for me is Tinkertown. I've been playing Tinkertown with a friend of mine, the Untold Sitcom. They've recently announced an Among Us crossover. And, and that is what caught my attention. It was like, what, what is this game doing an Among Us crossover? Tinkertown is a top-down... Have either of you two played Kerpleth? Um, I've no, but I have watched a fair bit of Tinkertown. I have. Really? Uh, someone, someone gifted me... Ker, is it Kerpleth? Yeah, Kerpleth. Kerpleth? Oh, is it Keplerth? I always mix those two up. Which one is it? Let I me, don't know. <laughs> yeah, at least I know what letter it starts with so I can find it in my Steam library. Kepler. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Uh, there we go. Um, yeah, Keplerth. I got it wrong. 
Hepleth, but it's so it's a top-down isometric RPG and a sandbox world. So you can literally just wander around, um, chop down trees, mine, collect all of the resources. You go around freeing various NPCs, and it's just been a lot of fun because there is so much, so much you can do in it. It's a little bit clunky playing as a multiplayer because not you like you both get a quest to go hand something in half the time the uh you'll have to do that quest twice to get that item to hand in for both people oh but apart from that it's a lot of fun and like we started it as of um hey i want to play this no no i wanted to play a game with uh, the untold sitcom and i'd just gotten uh, multiple keys for Timbertown, so I was like, "Let's play this together." And we've actually found it to be quite enjoyable. It's it's a little bit different. It's a little bit fun, and um, makes me appreciate someone who can do inventory management in the game because I am horrible at it. Yep, I I am absolutely of the. I have a dump chest. I put all my items in the dump chest. That is it. That's the best way to do it. When we were running a uh, seven days to die server, uh, we had members of our, um, our, our group, our team, our, what are they called in seven days to die? Anyway, uh, we had community members whose entire purpose was to sort things. So we'd all come back with our little backpacks full of stuff. We'd all dump them in this little dump chest. And then we had people whose job specifically was to go through that dump chest and itemize it into like <laughs> certain boxes. And I think they liked it. I liked just being able to come back and being like, Bleh, all in one spot. I'm going out again. Like that was, that was really fun. I'm terrible with infantry manage, um, inventory management like you. I, I'm just yeah. no good at it. I love games that have a sell all scrap mechanic. Like, oh yes. Hand it over yes. to me. Um, Drongo and I back in the day, many days ago played Terraria together and we overcome, overcame this obstacle by using the, uh, what was it? The, um, magic storage mod. Which yeah, is literally just a box that you put everything in and it all goes. Yeah. And then it puts it in other yeah, boxes. Yeah, it puts it in oh. other boxes and you just need to type in what you're looking for and search for it. And oh it, my God. It yeah. made things so much easier. And it was like the peak of all inventory management is just put it in a box and have a search bar at the top of the box. I've never wanted a mod in real life so much. <laughs> Imagine oh, what a game changer that would be. Honestly. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. Um, and Farthest Frontier, another colony sim. You, you are absolutely frontier. the queen of colony sims, aren't you? Yeah, I love them. I love them. It's something about organizing their lives when I can't organize my own. <laughs> uh, Father's Frontier uh, recently released on Steam. I'm pretty sure it's still in early access. It is my first foray into Let's Play territory. Um, frankly, the views are not brilliant, but I don't care. It's so much fun making content that I find genuinely funny uh, and not really worrying about the metrics because normally when I sit down to make a, a game review, that can take me up to 20 hours uh, of script writing, editing, getting uh, game footage and stuff like that. And it really does feel like a slog sometimes, uh, mm -hmm. even if I like the final product. Father's Frontier recording the episodes, editing the episodes, everything about them, I enjoy. So it still takes me about 20 hours, but it's 20 very fun hours. And I make myself laugh at really dumb little jokes. So Father's <laughs> Frontier is, is really, it's a gorgeous game. 
It's a really beautiful game. And it just seems to be a really solid entry into that kind of um, city builder. It really feels like an updated Banish, to be quite frank with you. And I think a lot of people are going to like it uh, a lot. I'm actually surprised I haven't seen more hubbub about it. Because it's, yeah, it's, it's really gorgeous and it's very, very cool. Well, it launched into early access in August and it's sitting at nearly like eight and a half thousand reviews and very positive. So I think there's been okay. a bit of hubbub about it. It's just, I think everyone's a little bit, little bit, you know, patient because quite simply as you, um, as you said, you know, it's like an updated, uh, banished. It's mm. like a banished that the devs haven't abandoned yet. And I yeah. think, um, you know, everyone, because it does remind a lot of people of Banished, uh, there might be people who are hesitant about it too. I think the thing to remember with Banished is that this, that's a solo dev project. And yeah. it, it was, it's one guy um, doing everything for it. And so I get it, like when I play Banished, I get a lot of people come in being like, oh, you know, the devs abandoned this project. Like, no, no, they just finished it. Like they, yeah. they, I think, I think what a lot of people forget, right, is that games in the nineties and the early two thousands, they went through development, they released, they were done. And I'm still from the era where patches and updates seem weird to me. Cause I'm like, I've bought this game. Yeah. Like it was, it was in a store and I bought it. And what do you mean you've patched it? What? That's... And so for a game like Banished to be done and then not updated, people are like, it got abandoned. No, it was just finished. It was, yeah, it was, there's... what else was there to be done? There is a funny thing about that where people, you know, pull that, uh, remember back in the day when games were just shipped without bugs or they were just shipped and they didn't need patches and all <laughs> this. And you're like, do you remember some of the bugs in those games that could literally soft lock your entire playthrough? Yeah. Like, and, and they absolutely did have patches and updates. They just hid them when they re, re, um, reproduced the title. I mean, I know several Pokemon games where it's like you've got to check the back of the cart for the serial number to know which version it is so you know which bugs are there and which bugs are not. Yeah. And, you know, um, it was just a lot more on the back end. But, yeah, games being finished and games being like, no, nah, this is this is it. We're not producing more content for it. Is It's perfectly fine. Um, yeah, I think people have just gotten used to games being constantly updated and DLC and patches and, and it is, no, that's just, it doesn't have to be how it is. Like, yeah, some, some studios are going to keep like patching and releasing like updates for their games, but we shouldn't be vilifying the ones that are like, nope, this project is done. Banished yep. is a playable game. Yeah, it, no, from I- start to finish. <laughs> I was under the impression, this is, this is where I spoke a little louder tone. I was under the impression it was still in early access and it had actually been abandoned. No, it's it's out. It's full release, and yeah, no. So I it's, take it's, back my comment there. Yeah, uh, Banished has been out since two thousand thirteen. I think it released, uh, and the the dev is actually working on a second um a second yeah. title, which is may, so exciting. I may have my Banished clones mixed up then, because I know there was one that's was is still in early access, and it's been in early access for about five years, and just hasn't received any updates in a year and the developer is just occasionally like oh no i'm still working on it and then nothing so uh my apologies to banished <laughs> that is not them it's uh, like it's it's so rough because being kind of on the production end of some things um like recently we've just halted uh production on the audio drama it's like i can see how many factors you're working against to make oh, yeah. a full complete game and it's it's rough like not only do you have the the mechanics the time scheduling the finances 
through all of that, you have to keep the dedication and you have to keep the mental stamina and those do just run out. And there's nothing that, that, it sucks, but unless you're contractually uh, obligated to deliver a product, then sometimes you do just need to step away and you need to have a bit of a rest. And it's, it sucks, right? Because we're creatives. We want to be passionate about what we're creating, but that only goes so far. And eventually you just run out of steam. Eventually you just get worn down and it's like, you know what? I'm just going to take some time guys. Cause this is a big project. It's a lot to ask for. And I'm sorry that this is not the outcome that we wanted, but it's reality. And it's the yep. reality of creating stuff like this. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you completely because I mean, I've been on that side as well. I've, you know, um, worked on a few things that have been like, yeah, no, we have to announce that we're not doing that anymore. And then, you know, various other things as well. So it's, it's fully, fully understandable that, you know, there's a lot to manage and it's not always just, oh, budget. It can also be the simple fact of, you know, um, for, for Worm Online, you know, the, the creator of that worked on that game solidly for about 13, 14 years. And he was just, (sighs) by the end of it, he was tired of it. That is Uh, so understandable (laughs) yeah yeah you know having to constantly be working on an mmo constantly be providing updates and and thinking about the direction of it is draining i mean ask any of the world of warcraft or um, Mm. elder scrolls online um designers and developers too they that's a long time for a project it is but speaking of a long time for a project i think that wraps up our um episode 43 i remember yeah, the well, done. well done i did Good job. i did have to stop and check um <laughs> but yeah i think that does wrap up episode 43 of the podcast well thank uh, you so much for uh amazing. thanks so much for having me had a great thank time thank you so much for being here can i can i get you to yeah. give yourself a shout out for uh cool. tea and tales and also where you can <laughs> be found online I can be found on Twitch, uh, Renee Sky, all one word, or I can be found on Twitter, Renee on Twitch. I don't know how much longer for, but that's another question. Um, <laughs> TN Tales has just released season two, episode one called Sex Criminals and Recon Geckos, and that can be found on a lot of podcasting platforms, mainly on Spotify if you do use Spotify. And I'm on YouTube as well as Renee Sky, same name. Awesome. Thank you very much. And Drongo, where can you be found? I can be found on Twitter as the Bloody Drongo. I can be found on Twitch as Bloody Drongo, all one word. And I can be found on YouTube as Bloody Drongo, all one word. That's awesome to hear. And I am Archplay stuff on all three. Um, it's been an absolute great pleasure having you here, Ren. And I hope we get to have you um, have you another time too. I'd love to be back. It, it sounds if like there's up a- with me. Yeah, well, it's up to blind. Once he hears this, he may be like, no, you three, you three are not allowed to be in a room together. Um, but no, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. And um, yeah, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Um, if you do listen to us on Apple or Google uh, Podcasts, please do leave a review. They're absolutely great and they mean a lot to us. Like, literally... Um, they boost us a lot because very few people actually uh, review podcasts. And um, yeah, this has been the House in Frequency podcast. Don't change that dial. Bye for now. Bye.